This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. This uh, week, this Chaydish, I wanted to speak about somebody who was a very unusual person in Kalashal's history. Um, I, I don't know how many of you here heard of him. How many didn't you hear of him? His name was Menashe ben Yisrael, Menashe ben Israel, um, and uh, it was it's thanks to him that the Jews were let back in England. The Jews have been thrown out in 1290 by King Edward I, and this was would be 350 years almost till they were sort of let in. Had a lot of duties ashtonis, but but his own life is an extraordinarily interesting life. And um, we'll speak a little about it. His parents were born in the late 1500s. They were Muranos. They were Muranos in Portugal. In Spain, the government had allowed the Jews the choice of going to exile or converting. The um, which you know going next is, uh, uh, leaving Spain was 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 very very difficult in terms of where they would go, how they would go, and so on. But at least they had a choice. In Portugal, they had no choice, and his parents, grandparents were Moranos. The the Portuguese forced everybody to be converted or be killed, and they were that. His father. Um, had been a Murano and sort of a secret Jew. <laughs> he had gone to Spain for something, and they were chayshed that he's a Mar- that he's a Murano, that he's not, you know, that he's secretly a Jew. They tortured him, and when he got back, they let him go finally because he confessed or whatever it is. He he, he did tshuva, and they let him back to to Portugal, and he decided he has to leave. So he left Portugal and he was uh, for some time on an island near Portugal and then he ended up in Amsterdam. Um, in 1604, Menashe Israel was born. I think he had a bris later. I think his family slowly came back to Yiddishkeit, if I understand correctly. And he might have had a bris later. But they totally came back to Yiddishkeit in Amsterdam and he had a Yiddish Shechinach. He's brilliant. Um, he knew, he's published in five languages. He was reputed to know many more languages. He was, he was an extraordinary brilliant boy. At the age of 18, he became a Rav in one of the shuls in Amsterdam, um, which is quite a feat to, to go from being, I mean, you know, a family that was basically being Chosebetshuva to becoming a Rav at the age of 18. Um, Parnas and Rabbanus wasn't all that good. I guess it's not a new issue. And he decided to open up a printing press as a, um, as a way to um, supplement his Parnasa. Printing press was novel in those days. It was not um, something that was common. Uh, printing presses were very expensive. Books were expensive. Much less than manuscripts, but still was very expensive. 
and the printing press was just beginning to to become you know to to find its way across Europe. He opened a, a Jewish printing press and he published a sitter. He published a Mishnayis with a beer of hard words. He also it this also allowed him to publish his own sfarim, I guess at a um, more competitive rate, so to speak. But the first book that he published, book Sefer, was a Sefer in Spanish. It was called La Conciliator, which meant the, the, the reconciler, the one who reconciles. And it basically addressed psukim in Tanakh that seemed to contradict each other. If a person were to read psukim in Tanakh um, the way they're, you know, just read them, there are a lot of psukim that contradict each other. So he wrote um, answers for all that. He explained it. He he wrote it in a very he wrote in a language that was extremely um, academic, or it, it, it did not it, it sat well with Goyish ears as well. And he wrote it in Spanish, and it it, it meant it. He became widely known even amongst the non-Jewish clergy and scholars for his work. Um, he was, he, he, people, especially Christians, were very interested in this. Um, I mean, the Jews, because they, there was Torah Shabbat Peh, there's Chazal, and there's Rashi, it wasn't so, no one looks at a Syrian Pesukim in Tanakh as a problem, so you have to find the Gemara, the Chazal, whatever. The Goyim, this is a big issue, and this was uh, a, a, a very good work. And Bimele, he got a big reputation amongst the Goyish scholars and clergy, which eventually, when the issue of England came up, it would, it would be something that would stand in his stead and so on. Um, so he put out a mafteach on, on Medrash Rabba, a whole bunch of things like that on his printing press. Um, there were a there were issues where there were issues in in um, Amsterdam political issues in the Kahillas that got him into problems a bit. There were fights and so on between people, and Lemaisa he decided to go to Brazil. He was in Brazil. There was um, a there were Jews there. Um, people from Amsterdam especially, you have to understand something. Amsterdam, at this time in history, was starting to become a major trading power. They had, um, they, 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 they traded, they had companies, they had colonies, um, and they were trying actually to wrestle away a lot of the power from Spain, which was basically disappearing, and they were big players. And, and in Portugal, the, in, 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 in Brazil, there was, in, in a city in Brazil, there was a large kehila. He became Rosh Yeshiva there, and he had a yeshiva in Brazil for two years. Um, in case anybody asks you, what's the first yeshiva in North America? The answer is not Tarvadas, not Lakewood. It actually is, I don't know the name of the yeshiva, but it's in Brazil someplace, in some hole somewhere. That was the first yeshiva, and he was there. He came back to Amsterdam and again became a Rav, but 
very interesting things happened and it may or may not have had to do with his future path. A, a person came to Holland, to Amsterdam. He said that he was a Murano who had been in, in, in America, North America, had explored um, South America, South America especially, and he tainted for sure that the Indians, amongst the Indians, what lost Asasashvatim. The um, and it his testimony, he swore in his testimony, he committed to writing, and so on. And um, Reb Nashab in Israel very much um, believed in it. At he wrote a sefer called Mikveh Yisrael, meaning the hope of Yisrael. And this person's testimony, and how there are there are Indians who say Shema Yisrael, and the Indians who keep Shabbos and do this and that. Um, Indians means in South America as well. I, I, I don't. It, and on and on and on. It's 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 a safer. It's not a big safer, but it's 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 a safer. Where basically um, he he describes everything that this person has said, very very much buying into it. He, um, he also believed that the Jews would be everywhere before the Gula Shlema and, and um, you know, they, 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 they would be part of the Mahalach of Golas is that the Jews be dispersed everywhere and until the Jews are dispersed everywhere, the Gula can't come. That seems to be part of, of what sort of he had been um, inspired by, by this person. He therefore um, sent letters to the Queen of, of uh, Sweden um, to let Jews in. And they, and the furthest, the country that was very far was England, that had no Jews, it was Judenrein. And he rode in to England asking for permission the Jews should come back. Now, Europe was in the midst of a big turmoil. Um, the Protestant movement had gotten off the ground. There was a, Catholicism was on the defensive. How so Catholicism in Spain and Portugal had come down very heavily against the Jews, Lashman the Harig. Um, Protestant movement, even though Martin Luther himself was a big anti-Semite, but there were cracks and it was different. So Amsterdam was a, a tolerant city, and that's why there were a lot of Jews there. In, in other places, it meant that for the first time, it was possible to be able to get some favors for the Jews. Now, the Jews had been thrown out of England in 1290. This was 350 years later, approximately. He wrote a letter in England. The king, the monarchy, had been interrupted for a while. Um, Charles I had been beheaded. 
and uh, Oliver Cromwell, there was a big fight between the people who wanted a republic versus the people who wanted a monarchy. Um, for a time, the people who wanted a republic were Hildemar Jaina, and they had uh, they beheaded Charles I, and they had the head of England was technically a head of parliament. He had a title Lord Protector, and his name was Oliver Cromwell, and he was somebody who was deeply religious as a Puritan, um, and his views on Jews were ambivalent. They weren't the negative like Catholics. And there was another part to the puzzle. Um, the, 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 uh, the Jews were great businessmen and great traders. And it would be very advantageous for England to develop that. So letting Jews in had a tremendous practical advantage. So Menashe Mirzah wrote to them. Um, he was invited to come and to try to convince them. He spent a few years over there. Um, he, so people, the clergy in, in England, the, they were now not Catholic clergy, they had an interest in the idea of this, the Jews coming back for the following reason. They, 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 there was going to be a second coming at some point, and it was felt that part of the second coming is the conversion of all Jews to Christianity, and if no Jews, there's no chavzah shal mitzvah, you can't convert anybody. You, you need to have, it's like a chicken for kapara, you need to have a Jew to, be, to, 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 to uh, baptize him. So they, um, so they, they were wrestling with, they, were, they wrestled with the question, is it good for England to let the Jews back or not? Um, Lemaisa, just to get a sense of the people, what, what people's feelings were like, there was one of the members of parliament, was Sir Edward Spencer, wrote a letter to Reb Nashim in Israel, um, he called him um, my dear friend and brother. And first he speaks about how terribly Jews smell and how, um, and how disloyal and unreliable they are. Um, he also speaks about the possibility of letting them to England, but there would have to be some strong conditions. The Marshal Bruce Miller would be outlawed. Um, any, any Jew who wants to convert to Christianity has to be let. And any Jew who does not convert to Christianity has to give up 50% of his money for the church. Um, that, was, that was already people that were positive. But Oliver Cromwell was, um, was much more, was much friendlier, at least in the attitude. Lemaisa, it was a very interesting fluke in history. They, 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 they had a commission, a committee study the question of the Jews coming back. The decision was there is no law on the books of England prohibiting Jews from living there. What happened was King Edward was a um, King Edward was a king. He published this law as a royal edict 
instead of as a uh, instead of as a law through the parliament. Now that the kings <coughs> were dead, um, and it was only a parliament, so the answer was there's no law that says Jews can't live there. So they weren't willing to go ahead and to welcome the Jews to come, but they, the reply was that. He was hoping, Russian Israel, that they would, um, that they would uh, come out with a law that says the Jews can live there. They never did that. But in the wake of it, Jews slowly started dribbling back to England and began to become you know, open. There were, even when he came there, there were a handful of Muranos living kind of quietly. But afterwards, it's slowly, so, so even though he never succeeded, he thought he failed because he couldn't get a law passed. Lemaise, uh, the fact that they said there's nothing against it, Jews slowly moved back to England. And that provided at some point another tremendous refuge for Jews. Akapanim, he himself um, wrote some other Sfarim. Before that, he's, he's famous for, in the world, he's written as a, um, he's considered a very enlightened Jew. He, um, he, he spoke these languages. He, he interacted with the Goyim. They tremendously respected him. He, he was a person with um, tremendous dignity, and he presented well, and so on. Um, he was close, he was friends with Rembrandt. Rembrandt painted a, f- painted a few paintings of him. Um, they have a famous painting. It's not clear whether that was one of them. But Rembrandt was a friend of his and painted paintings of his. He, he was involved with something else that made him either hero or notorious, depending on, on who you talk to. He, there was in Holland, in Amsterdam, there was a Besden in charge of... Um, dealing with people that are Picarsim. I think the, 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 the exact language is Safkonim, um, doubters. So th- there was one, there was one strange bird named Uriel da Costa. He was a Christian who had become a Jew, discovered his Murano, then became disenchanted with Judaism, then started saying the Torah is not true, this is not true, that's not true, the other thing is not true. They put him into Cherem, and he was one of those who put him into Cherem. Was Menashe ben Israel was on that bed, they put him in Cherem. This real de Costa came back again, went back, back and forth. At the end, um, he was put into Cherem, and the isolation really, really got him down. It, 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 it's some write that he committed suicide, whatever it is. That, he was put into Cherem by Menashe ben Israel, who was part of, the, of that Bezdin. There was somebody more famous who um, was put into Cherem by the Bezdin, but Menashe ben Israel wasn't there. And his name was Spinoza, Baruch Spinoza. Baruch Spinoza was, it says, they write that he was a Talmud of, um, that he was a Talmud of Menashe ben Israel. The only thing is, it also writes that he never learned anything more beyond rudimentary Judaism. So it's hard to believe that, I mean, he had a yeshiva, he wasn't a malamid, he had a yeshiva, so he was teaching Gemara minimally. So, so if he never learned, I don't know what it meant he learned by him. But he certainly was a member of the Kehillah there. Spinoza um, was someone who's, who's, who, who became a world-class philosopher, was recognized as a world-class philosopher. 
and he really was an Apicorus in the total sense of the word. Um, his belief, he, he disbelieved, <laughs> you know, Torah Shabal Per was just made up by the rabbis and that. Um, Akadosh Baruch Hu is just the sum total of the natural forces that's God. So he firmly believed in God, but God is the sum total of all the natural forces. Um, and, you know, and so on. Spinoza was put into Cherem, and he was not there then. People feel, the, the more enlightened people feel a little bit embarrassed that we put into Cherem somebody as world famous as Spinoza and so on. So the, the claim is, had he been there, he would have found a way to reconcile it. Very, very hot to reconcile somebody that's Kaifabeka with Yiddishkeit. Um, they did succeed in reconciling him. Um, a few hundred years later, in Hebrew University, they had a ceremony, and the, the, the head of philosophy department and many other faculty members got together and they said, we ask for forgiveness for what we did. You're welcome back to us. And they're welcome back to Hebrew University. So in Hebrew University, he's reconciled. Um, but but um, he, it, 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 that was a, a famous, I mean, he's world famous. Spinoza is not only famous in, Jew, in, in Jewish, it's, it's, you know, he's, 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 a, he, he, he's an Apicorus. He was one of the first Apicarsim on a world standard, and, and it was a it was a, it was a sheet. It was a total sheet where you know uh, um, about about Torah, about Akharshbar, about everything. Like upon him, um, the the the, the um, Menashe ben Israel um, was uh, his forum were mostly polemic in the nature. He wrote a lot, not that much in Hebrew. Wrote in other languages. He wrote, I think he published in five languages. He, um, his other sefer, the one in, the, the most famous in Hebrew that has become a classic, is called Nishmas Chaim. It's everything about the neshama. In other words, what is a neshama? When does it come to a person? Um, what does it know? What does it understand? Through after death, does, does any part of Shammah stay here? Uh, Gilgulim, Ibu Nishamis, Tchias um, You know, literally, Nishmas Chaim. It's everything about the Nishama. The um, It's interesting, in Akdama, he describes a bit about his life. And this is one of the sources where we have. We have that, and we have, in, in Mikvi Yisrael, he obviously describes what happened over there. He... Um, he, he, uh, he writes at the end of it, at the end of his Akdama, of his Akdama, he writes that don't find fault with me um, that I quote from Goyesha sources. He says, um, because I, you know, I only do an ad hoc basis uh, in, 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 um, in the Ruach of Kabbal Semesi Shamroi. Like, you know, if it's true, then accept it, but that's that's you know that's what I I um, I took from them. He quotes a lot. It's not only quoting, 
it brings stories and events. And the, the the book also has the sefer also has all sorts of like a meiser show over here, something that happened there, um, a true testimony that you can read here. It, it's it's not just a lamdish sefer. He sort of brings all sorts of anecdotes of things that he feels are emes to sort of prove those points. So one thing he also writes as something along the lines that. He took a lot from Kabbalah. In other words, he he, he had he, he had learned Kabbalah, and, and you know he felt that that's where he was yearning from. And he says, and and my ikalimud is you know is 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 in halacha and gemara and paiskim and so on, which is very interesting. In, in other words, he makes a point of it that my ikar is in this, and this I did because it's important. We 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 don't have any real works of his. In anything other, we do have in Spanish. He wrote a um, he wrote a, like a kitzur of sorts halachas. I think he might have written it when he was in Portugal in, in in Brazil. But that's I think from the list. I think that's the only thing that that deals with halacha per se. He wrote another work called Chuas Yisrael. Um, Chuas Yisrael was a refutation. Of the of the tainus of the goyim about the Jews, you know, a refutation a refutation against all the anti-Semitic uh, tracts that had been prepared and spoke about the Jews. That that's what he wrote. What prompted Nishmas Chaim? Um, I wonder. In other words, it it seems as if the um, the, the first kfira of Spinoza or the Casta was against the concept of an eternal life, against the concept of, of, of Nishama, the way we understand it, and could be that's why he felt, could be that it was an issue that other people wrestled with, I don't know. It's not something that, um, have a, 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 what exactly prompted of old in Yonav Amuna, what prompted this? V- very possible that the, this was the, the Achilles heel of wh- where the, where Different koyfrim um, started out from the um, a person like that. So, I, I mean, he was more his his milieu was not the shiva world, not the world of Tamir Chachamim. Um, it was the world the world stage of Christian clergy, politicians, etc., etc. So it's interesting. So of the people, like, why do we feel so comfortable with the things he wrote? In other words, Nishmas Chaim is the only the only safe of his really that that we have as a safer. So first of all, the Chida, who lived oh, sort of a hundred years later, the 1700s, the Chida writes positively about him. Chidor himself knew everything and everything about everybody. Chidor was incredible. And Chidor writes about him that you know it was Choshev and this and that. He did so much and he writes positively enough. Um, the Sholem Eishiv um, gave askama on the printing of Nishmas Chaim. They printed Lemberg and he gave askama on it. And Rabbi Sol Salanta w- took that safe as one of the few sfarim. In the Beis Musa. the Beis Musa that Bishosalan to built was meant to be just for learning Musa. The sfarim he had over there were Musa sfarim, 
and that was one of the sfarim, one of the few sfarim that were that were given a place over there. So Gdol Yisrael obviously felt <coughs> that the sefer is um, is an incredible sefer. That's a sefer that's bechazik emuna, and it's on mark. I mean, he deals with inyanim that are um, you know if on the fringe, Gilgulim. And 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 the uh, ruach that's Miss Aber and somebody else. All these things are things that are sort of uh, Kabbalah and, and the Ramban when he speaks about these yonim, he's mastered it a lot. He, he wrote about it, and, and, and it's and it's his whole sefer is very very methodical about everything you want to know about the neshama, but didn't have who to ask. Well, let me tell it to you, and and he goes through it, and and, and you know peric after peric and so on. Like upon him, he died penniless he, in England. He had no one to support him. Cromwell finally gave him a pension from the state, but by that time it was Nifta, so he never actually got to use it. His son was Nifta Chayev, and he went back to Amsterdam, and he was Nifta afterwards. He was 53 when he was Nifta. He was Nifta in 57. Chafal of Kislev. Um, he stands in history for many things. First of all, as a child of Moranos. Who had made it back fully? Um, that was this is this is one of the nitche Yisrael that comes back in a ruchnistic sense. You know, his his parents and grandparents had been practicing Christians, secret Jews, and he was the one who came back fully. Um, his ability to um, his ability to write things that you, we needed. For the world around us to be able to sort of counter their points and arguments, his Nishmas um, which became a classic, and it's a reference for all these Yanim. But he opened up England again for Jews to live there. England for for would be common in the later years a place where Jews found refuge and Jews were allowed to live and to, to conduct their business freely. Was to his established, even though he himself felt himself a failure because um, there was no official law. But basically, by saying that we'll look the other way, usually that was pretty much what the Jews uh, were able to go in and 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 they slowly repopulated. Um, those th- that's the person. So um, it was an, it was an incredibly bright person, incredible scholar. Um, his, his, it was a pivotal point in, the, in opening up the Protestant attitude towards Jews, even though, you know, many times it retained anti-Semitism, but he succeeded in, in getting across a point that the Jews should be part of, part of it. And, uh, and the Nishmas Chaim that, that remained a classic and, uh, it's, so it's kind of a very unique person. He has no, I mean, he learned by somebody, but it, it's, it, there's no place to put him in the big picture where he fits in in the Mesaurus and so on. It's very hard. We don't know what he left. I mean, his, his, his children, we know one or two, and that was it, and nothing more. Um, so it's, it's kind of one of the few people who is sort of outside of the whole system and yet um, did things and wrote things that made a mark and and and, and have a zeicher and a hemshech. His yard side is Chafal of Kislev, 
Yizuch Baruch.